Caller, I know how much we both have loved what Anchor has given us as a podcasting platform. Ladies and gents, if you haven't heard of Anchor yet, you're missing out. Most importantly, it's free. Anchor gives you the ability to edit and upload your podcast directly from your phone to get anywhere you can get your podcast. Apple Music, Spotify, it'll be there. You can make money from your podcast with minimum listeners. It's literally everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Then bubble. I'm I'm with you guys on when you think of bubbles, isn't the first thing that you think of bursting. Hey, you're listening to Burst Your Bubble. I'm Josh and I've got Kyler here with me. We're here to bring you the sharpest sports takes. Today was a fun episode. We broke down movement in the bubble, we talked Tiger Woods return, and then we analyzed the Washington Post article about the Washington Redskins and what this means moving forward for that organization. Remember to stay plugged into our social media on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Burst Your Bubble. We are available everywhere if you, where you can get your podcast. You can even get us on your Alexa devices. Remember to rate, review, or share us with your friends or literally anyone you know. Thanks for listening, and remember, no hard feelings because more than likely, one of us will burst your bubble. Going into the end of the week, Kyler, did you have any home runs hit for Big Fire Baseball today? Uh, I think there was one today, but I think the site director actually missed it. So uh, not a lot of excitement on Big Fire Baseball side, but uh, I did get to watch the big cat, Tiger Woods. He was playing live golf. And it was a wonderful way to start the course. Yeah, I mean, it, it really was. I started birdie, birdie, par birdie. Uh, absolutely fired me up today. Uh, obviously a pretty uh, solid round, I would say, you know, just – Ho-hum, you know, made his pars where he had to, didn't make too many mistakes, uh, came out shot a 71 today. So looking forward to the weekend with Tiger. I think, you know, he's just shaking the rust off, and I'm looking for a, a really low score, at least one of these routes with Tiger. Uh, I'm sure he'll have one round uh, that's pretty good. He did look a lot better than what I expected him to, uh, especially at the beginning, obviously hitting two out of three birdies, then coming back to hit uh, two out of four bogues. So uh, obviously it could have been – a lot better for what Tiger was hoping for, but it was a solid round and what he said he was just knocking the rust off. So uh, definitely looking forward to what Tiger's going to bring for the rest of the tournament. Definitely. Did you see uh, Tony Finau? Uh, he, I saw a video of him actually, uh, this was a few months ago, but it re, re, resurfaced, I should say, on Twitter. Uh, he was taking a, so he famously takes those half swings and he just drills the ball a mile. Uh, so in a in a video that resurfaced on Twitter, he was taking a full swing and he carried the ball. I think it was a 384-yard carry, um, over 200 mile per hour club head speed. That's just absurd. And today he was doing more of the same, but still with that little half swing. I'm not sure why he doesn't take full swings uh, <laughs> all the time. But uh, with that little half swing, man, he was absolutely crushing the ball today, Led the, leading the field right now at six under. And I think he's leading the field in uh, in driving distance, or he's pretty close up there with Bryson. Yeah, if your name is in the same as Bryson DeChambeau's in driving distance, you're doing something right. And obviously, you just hit it on uh, you just hit on it. He has an absolute chance to hit the ball even further than what he is doing right now. Uh, maybe you need to get out there and uh, and show him how to perfect that swing a little bit. Yeah, you know, I'm always one for shortening down the swing. You know, I tell you, you swing it like Tony Fino, does a little half swing. He gets it done, so can you. 
uh, maybe, maybe I'll just go the opposite. Maybe I'll just say, you know, stop doing what you're doing, Tony. Just lengthen that swing out. But one thing that's notable, he's only hitting 35% of his fairways, or at least he did today. That's pretty obviously a small number. It's probably only 12 or 13 fairways he could have hit. But still, I mean, only hitting four or five of the fairways today. Not a good sign looking forward to the rest of the tournament um, for betting odds. But uh, a, a guy like Bryson, a guy like I think even Brooks showed some things today that uh, – a good some good signs but i mean even tiger uh, he if you're gonna if you're gonna lay some money on, on a on a long shot going into the weekend i mean tiger is definitely the person i would look at yeah no that's i mean you know i i was saying he wouldn't make top 10 i'm i'm actually gonna stick by that i don't think he's i still don't think he's gonna make top 10 in this tournament um but you were exactly right on uh tony Finau and bryson a little bit ago um, and something to keep in mind here, the wind was terrible. The conditions were not great playing uh, yesterday in this golf tournament. So that's something that's going to keep an eye on is if the weather turns good, uh, how much this can change in one round. Because you know as well as I do, one round can be a difference maker for someone who's, you know, uh, five or six shots off the lead. Yeah, and you know, one thing about that little half swing that Fina does and a guy like Gary Woodland, um, it's very easy to hit a, a low shot, those low stingers with uh with with a swing like that and obviously gary woodland won the open last year doing that and hopefully we see uh tony Finot with some success with that so josh we uh obviously buried the news buried the lead news story uh let's talk about the redskins or the washington nfl football team uh you're gonna have to catch me up on this story i i've basically only heard um everything this morning that kind of came out on twitter kind of came out as speculation um and then i saw the headline of the washington post article but I didn't actually get to quite dive into it. So uh, what did I miss? So for the past 13 years, that's how far that this article spans. Uh, 13 years, uh, there has been a uh, reports of sexual harassment, sexual misconduct, uh, unwanted sexual advances, other kinds of harassment. Um, but a thing to mention here, is uh, Dan Snyder is not mentioned in any of this report. Right. Neither is Allen. So, uh, so two big names in the in this organization who were not mentioned in this, but it, you know, obviously that these things were happening. The report came out a while back about the cheerleaders. Um, and, you know, we know about that already. And so the three employees that were mentioned uh, the most in this, in this report are all, they're all gone. They just left the organization. Uh, two of the radio broadcasters, uh, Larry Michael, Alex Santos, are gone. Um, he was overheard on a hot mic in 2018 talking about the attractiveness of a college-age intern. Um, it was inappropriate comments, romantic overtures, things like that that was going on for well over a decade. This was a, from what the women have reported, it was a toxic situation uh, they were basically having to, um, you know, sexual harassment to get them to where they needed to be in their careers. And it is obviously unwarranted, uncalled for, disgusting. And I hope that these people are uh, punished accordingly. The real question here, Kyler, is you are the head, you're the owner of this organization, you're the GM of the organization. How much of this goes on you even though your name is not on the report and how much did he know well i mean it, uh, the real question is how much did not get published in that wapo article so obviously last night um is when reports started leaking 
that uh, you know WAPO had the story had you know drug use, rampant alcohol abuse, pimping cheerleaders out, you know just horrible, horrible accusations that well, I mean they're damning. They they ruin reputations. I mean if if, the, if that came out, if all of those things came out in that WAPO article, I think the 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 Washington NFL football team would have been sold by the end of this weekend. Yeah, that's but, what I, mean, I called you about too. That you know I thought that if if it was exactly what was being reported that this team would have been sold yeah and i think what we saw here and i'm not disputing any of those things i mean obviously they're not fact but i'm not disputing you know the the accusation of them but uh this is obviously the pc version of um of their story this is obviously what dan snyder's and the washington nfl football team this is what their lawyers allowed to be published you know out of everything that they had in that story. And I think that it is enough to force them out. Um, so the problem that we're going to run into here is that uh, you can't actually force an owner out. So what's going to happen is the uh, other NFL um, governors, I guess they're called now, uh, they're going to vote on this. So to vote an owner out or to get an owner out, the, the owners have to pretty much vote them out. Um, and the problem we run into here is, do you think this is not happening at other NFL franchises? Uh, to the level that it was happening in Washington, I'm not sure. But the thing is, Kyler, we won't know because another aspect of this is uh, a lot of the names that were referenced were uh, scouts and then the upper management. Um, two of the three people that were named a lot in this report are in Dan Snyder's inner circle. So the, the thing to watch on this is all these all these people, there were so many people in this organization uh, – cheerleaders, uh, lower level people, sometimes fans all signed NDAs. And at some point, you know, you said what didn't get published. Another question on this is, will we ever see what didn't get published? Because I don't know if that we will. They sign these NDAs. At what point is it? Why should I have to give up the accolade on my career? Why should I have to give up my time with this organization? Because I was treated unfairly because I was treated poorly. Uh, you know, those women have a right to, you know, they've climbed their way up, up the ladder. Obviously, they shouldn't have had to do it the way that they did, but they are there now. Why would you, uh, you know, risk tearing all that down? I don't think a lot of them would do that. So I don't know that we ever come to know exactly what happened behind the scenes in this Washington Redskins organization. Yeah, and the real question here is, uh, will Dan Snyder sell the team? Do you think so? Yes or no? No. So, I do not. Uh, I think he end up he will end up selling the team. Um, I don't think he'll be forced out. I think he's going to kind of go out on his own on his own terms. Um, but I just think that, that out of everything, Josh, there's not one owner who has a good thing to say about Dan Snyder, and it's not for any of the reasons why we don't like Dan Snyder. It's it's he's just not a good guy. So I will I will backtrack a little bit here. I will say no if nothing else comes out. If this is all that comes out. I do not think that he will sell. I think that Dan Snyder will take continue to take charge of this football team. He's obviously brought in uh, the woman to oversee things. I can't remember her name off the top of my head. Uh, Anron Rivera to try and change the culture of the team. Uh, you know, at least on the appearance, he's making uh, steps towards the right direction and trying to change the culture, change what's happening in Washington. Is it too late? You know, it could be. But I don't think that Dan's in a position where he has to sell – at this point, his name was not mentioned once in the article, anywhere in the report. 
And if his name's not mentioned, uh, you know, like I said earlier, it all goes back to how much did he know and how much did he allow on this team and how much is he to blame for that? And at the end of the day, it's hard to tell exactly how much he knew with everything, with all the uncertainty. With everything we know, for sure, it is hard to tell. But, um, you know, there's a lot we probably don't know. And like I said earlier, uh, you know, with his name not being mentioned, with him not being directly involved in these acts, uh, I mean, it, it would set a very, I don't want to say a dangerous precedent because of the seriousness and uh, everything that's gone on with these women. I mean, that's just horrible, despicable acts that obviously Dan Snyder, he knew of, obviously. Uh, it's in his inner circle. It's in his building. It's in his NFL franchise. So he knew about it. And if he didn't, that's on him just as much. Um, it would set a dangerous precedent for the NFL owners to force him out because I believe this is going on in most NFL franchises. And, you know, that's the that's the scary thing about this behind the scenes. Uh, and it's not just – and actually, you know, we talk a lot about the women, but there were also men who were treated unfairly, uh, legs taken out from under them because they were trying to climb the ranks inside this organization. This was just a, a seriously toxic environment, toxic situation. And I hope – I you know, I truly hope that this is not happening – uh, at this level and other franchises, maybe a little bit of, uh, you know, entry-level stuff would be the most, you know, I would hope that nothing like this at all was happening, but I hope that uh, in no other team is happening to this extent. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Do you think Ron Rivera knew about any of this? I, uh, Anything. No. Well, he probably knew – so he probably didn't know what was going to come out or what would happen – but Dan probably brought him in with the mindset of, look, we need a, a change of face. We need a culture change. We need a positive image on the team. We, and you are the guy to do that for us. That's probably how they sold it to him. I don't know how much he actually knew of what was going on. Um, if Mike Tomlin was an available coach, do you think he would be the coach of the, of the Washington NFL football team right now? I do not. I think that uh, I think Ron Rivera is that guy. You know, Ron Rivera is a uh, positive kind of guy. He has had a great. He's had good success as a as a football coach, and I think he, it made sense for uh, Ron to go down there and, and take over to to try and change something, try and build something down there. I hope he knew something about what was going on because if he just stepped into this just as yeah, you know, I'll take over this team. You know, you know, yeah, we should look into a name change. That's a really good idea. Jay Gruden was doing what? Our cheerleaders were doing what? You made them do what? <laughs> With who? With where? Costa Rica. Yeah, not a good look there. Um, that's all I have pretty much on the on the Washington NFL football team, Josh. Hopefully they uh, they get something figured out there. Hopefully, I mean, I, I'm hoping for a sell of the team. I'm, I'm hoping uh, Bezos comes in and we get some get more games on Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime Field, that's the that's the word that's going to be going around is that, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about the, whether the Washington football team should be playing in Maryland or D.C. anyway. D.C. is against giving any of those tax subsidies that uh, teams look for when they're building and playing in a new arena. So it's all it's very possible that uh, someone like Bezos could step in and uh, provide that, that cash roll and to be able to fund a new arena, Amazon Prime Field. Yeah, you know, there's also – there's guys like Mark Cuban. There's guys like uh, Steve Ballmer. There's a bunch of different guys who have the capital, have the money to invest in an NFL franchise team. But the problem they run into, Josh, like I said earlier, it takes all the owners to vote out an NFL owner. It also takes all 32 of those owners to vote in 
a new NFL owner. So for an, um, a person to buy an NFL franchise, they first have to have the capital, make the purchase, and then be approved by all the owners. So that's where, that's where um, a guy like maybe Vince McMahon could run into a problem, and a guy like Donald Trump has run into many problems in the past. So I'm glad that you're talking about buying franchises and what it's going to take, because I'm not sure if you've heard of the team that was looking into buying the Mets, Kyler. Have you heard anything about this? Alex Rodriguez, J-Lo. Yeah, I, I did see them. Yeah, uh, they had a whole group together, don't they? They do. Uh, there was a, a good a good team of them. Uh, but now it, it got a lot more interesting just because of Alex Rodriguez. So he's actually in a fight now. Mm -hmm. uh, he came out and wanted to talk about a salary cap with the team. Uh, and he was throwing out proposals for if he was to buy the team. And the union come out and smacked him down. They said, look, Alex Rodriguez benefited. He was one of the players that benefited the most from not having a salary cap. The union did great things for him as a player. And now that he's looking to become an owner, his perspective has completely changed. And he is not, he does not have the best interest of a player in mind. Well, uh, yeah, as an owner, he, so as a player, he was worried about his money. And then as an owner, he's worried about his money. Yeah. makes a lot of sense to me. Yep. I think the the sentiment here is that, uh, he lost all all sight of what it was like being a player uh, with no salary cap and trying to introduce one of your own. Uh, how are you going to not have those restrictions yourself, but then come in and try to make those uh, those changes and, and hurt other players? Or he never lost sight of the bag, and I applaud uh, Alex Rodriguez. I agree with you. I think that he had his eye on the prize the whole time, which is that bag. Uh, doing it for the wife, doing it for J-Lo, got to keep her around. And uh, I think it's a very smart move by Erod. I don't know with exactly, uh, you know, what he was wanting to do, if that's the answer, but I think that he's got to have an owner's mindset going into this. He has to think of it uh, differently than he has before, and that's what it's going to take to become an owner. Uh, did you see what Masvidal – uh, just switching over to Quigley to UFC. Uh, did you see what Masvidal pretty much said that uh, – he said that this was going to be his biggest payday. Uh, he's still waiting on all the numbers to come in from the pay-per-view numbers. It takes 90 days from the pay-per-view to get all those numbers in, all the money in. But uh, obviously looking at least, you know, it exceeds $8 million. And then his next fight is going to be against Colby Covington, the uh, Make America Great. Again, always wearing the Trump hat and everything. Uh, Trump, Masvidal, actually a Trump supporter. Not many people know that. Um, so that's going to be a huge fight. There's going to be a lot of shit talking in that. Going to be a huge pay-per-view draw. So that's two big paydays in a row. I expect Masvidal to win that, get the rematch against Usman, and win that fight. Josh, I expect Masvidal to pull in, what, $30, $40 million in the next three for, in his three fights? Ooh, man, that is a ton of money. So how soon do you think we can see before uh, Donald Trump tweets out that this is going to be the hugest, most massive fight all time in UFC history? <laughs> because yeah. there's two of his supporters going back and forth, and we know yeah, that he loves the, the huge – yeah, Masvidal isn't, like, I don't think he's a huge Trump supporter, but, like, he's, man, he, he's on a, he's on a different wavelength on Twitter if you want to uh, dive deep into that. He's, he's on the QAnon, and he, he's on he's a, lot of, a lot of stuff Masvidal has going, but uh, we'll leave that there. Um, I want to get into some bubble talk, Josh. Can we do it? Let's get into it. So, uh, the bubble basically has three tiers. Um, tier one consists of all team personnel and uh, obviously the strictest part of the bubble. Um, 
requiring quarantine and two negative COVID tests just to enter it. Um, along with the teams, tier one media is also there and that only consists of reporters. So sideline reporters, um, so people like Chris Haynes, I know is in there, uh, Malika Andrews, uh, Dave McMiniman is in there, I know of. Uh, so guys like that are, they're going to be the only uh, media with direct access to the players. So in a less secure tier two, tier three bubble, um, on somewhat the same campus, uh, and they're going to actually be in the arena, so guys like commentators, guys like uh, halftime reporters like uh, Ch Chuck and Shaq, they're in a less strict, less secure bubble, uh, and they will have no direct contact with anyone in that tier one bubble. So it's, it's interesting to get a cool breakdown of uh, where all these media members are, who's going to have access to the players. And it seems like those, uh, those tier one media members, a lot closer to the players, but maybe a lot closer to Corona as well. Yeah, well, you know, I think it's good that they're keeping uh, guys like Shaq and Chuck away from the players and allowing them to uh, do what they do best. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of those uh, televised interviews uh, after games, halftime, uh, getting those interviews uh, through the headset, being able to ask questions and break down things as it's going on. So that just makes total sense. I do like that there is a level that is, uh, you know, direct contact with players. We kind of talked about this before, that we thought this should happen. There should be a team that has direct access to the players. And that's locked down inside the bubble. There's no other way to do it uh, other than to lock those those media players in. So my question to you, Kyler, is do they have an anonymous hotline to report media members who are breaking bubble protocol? Oh, yeah, I'd imagine so. I, I'd imagine that is – so uh, whose whose phone number would it be? Would it be uh, would it be Stephen A. or would it be would it be Skip? Cowherd. Uh, it's for yeah, probably Cowherd. I would say. Uh, so here's the interesting thing. So I would say Chuck and Shaq and guys like that are probably in the tier three. Uh, you know, the probably the least secure, but probably pretty secure, pretty safe bubble. So tier two. Here's what's interesting to me. Um, I think that's a lot of the beat writers. Uh, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the major, major beat writers, you know, for major publications like The Ringer. So, uh, for instance, Bill Simmons said that uh, for his, his main NBA guy, Kevin O'Connor, uh, I don't think he would have gotten that tier one access like Chris Haynes, like Malika Andrews. I think he would have been in that tier two, that beat writer access. And from what I'm hearing, all the access they have, they have a lot of access. They have pretty much unlimited interview access, but it's all done through Zoom. The tier two is done all through Zoom. Tier two is done all through Zoom. Even though they're in the bubble, it's done all through Zoom. Well, I mean, I guess that would still be okay. You know, still getting your uh, your inside information on what's going on in the bubble. It's obviously a little bit different than uh, being able to interview them in person. But we want as few people to talk to these players as possible because we do want to finish out the season and the playoffs or finish out the play-in or the whatever we're calling these games, scrimmages, whatever they are. As long as we get to play these games out and finish the playoffs, that is the main concern in keeping everyone safe. So if we can keep everyone safe and we can get through the playoffs, I think that's what they're trying to do here. So I'm, I'm all for uh, limiting as many people as possible to uh, actual, actually interact with the players. So do you think the media members will get to, like, go to the games? Yeah, yeah probably. Um, I'm sure that there will be, like, a reserved – section so far away from where the players are at so far apart from each other at least tier one will be there uh 
I would assume that tier two might, you know, they might get put in a quote unquote press box somewhere, not really a press box, but uh, you know, a, a bubble inside of a bubble. Yeah, maybe. Uh, and I, we, I heard uh, Stan Van Gundy say that uh, him and uh, forget who his commentator po- pro- partner is, but they're going to be actually elevated above the court um, kind of probably 20 feet above where uh, the normal commentary commentary table would be. So it's going to be inter- interesting to see that, but let's get into the players actually playing in the bubble. Uh, ben Simmons. Here's a quote from his coach, uh, Brett Brown. Quote, he shot more threes in practice the last few days than he might have in almost half a season. He looks good. He looks real good. So let me tell you another quote I saw on Twitter. Do you know two of the best players to ever play in the NBA? Uh, no. Let me know. Practice Ben Simmons and practice Hoodie Mello. Yep, that's a fact. And two of the best guys to play in the NBA. Let's see it translate to some real-time game action. I'm not a believer in Ben Simmons' shot until I see it in the game when he's not nervous. I do think that the biggest uh, benefit that he will have from this is that it's not in front of, yeah. you know, 16,000 fans. It's going to be that practice kind of feel. It's going to be a summer league game feel. So I think that atmosphere could translate well into even if just in these play-in games, uh, if he gets a little bit of confidence on a corner three and he's able to step in and knock a couple of those down, that's going to be huge for him in his game. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to see that too. I think he's going to be shooting a lot, of, a lot, especially a lot of those corner threes, like you said. And one thing I also saw is he's being used exclusively at the four. He is being used exclusively at the four. I am so excited to see that. Uh, obviously, we've seen his teammate Matisse Thibel uh, running all of the content. Uh, he's been the number one content producer from the bubble. Obviously, check out his YouTube page if you're not already. Uh, I mean, I'm ex- I'm excited to see it, man. He's if if he's running the four, if he's specifically at the four, Joel's at the five. I mean, Horford off the bench. This team, they are dangerous. Yeah, especially with him, uh, spe- like exclusively playing that four spot. The team has been raving about him and his ability uh, in that role. So it's going to be interesting to watch. Obviously, he's still going to have the playmaking ability, that point forward role that we know that Ben Simmons can do. Uh, so obviously, it's still going to be very entertaining to watch. I, I'm expecting some some really good things from the 76ers in the bubble. I Like I said a minute ago, I think that the summer league feel is really going to help this team uh, translate into some some good basketball. So someone, that, uh, someone else we can talk about, Kyler, on our team. Let's look at Dennis Schroeder. So Dennis Schroeder in three to four weeks is planning on leaving the bubble. His wife is due to have a baby, and he said that he's not going to miss it. They have a 17-month-old child already. He's not going to leave her alone. So obviously, uh, you know, this, depending on what everything looks like, there's a chance, I mean, there's a big chance that we get Schroeder back for playoffs and uh, some basketball. But the big thing is here is the chemistry that the Thunder had going into the bubble and con- being able to continue that. And Schroeder was a an automatic bucket coming off the bench, 18, 20 points a game. And so the Thunder is going to miss that productivity. Yeah, I mean, they for sure are. Uh, one thing that I've heard um, about the Thunder – an argument why they may struggle a little more than other teams is that they don't really have a centralized score. They don't really have um, their offense doesn't really run through one guy. Uh, it's a really, it's a, it's an offense that's centric on ball movement. It's centric on player movement. And uh, it may take teams like that a little longer to get going. And with a guy like Schroeder in and out of the lineup, in and out of practice, in and out of games, that could hamper that. Uh, I'm, I'm not huge that this is uh, 
I'm not huge on this uh, happening to us right now. But uh, like, if we can get an, uh, a somewhat easy draw for the first round, then I, I don't think this will affect us any. Yeah, I'm, I'm obviously congratulations to Dennis and his family for, uh, you know, adding a new baby. But it's not great timing. Hopefully we do get one of the easier draws in the first round. Uh, and, you know, maybe if he can play in a game or two before he has to leave, you know, maybe it can help the team get back into that, that role of the chemistry that they had before this. It also gives, you know, someone else a chance to step up in Schroeder's absence. So it'll be exciting to see who that is, whether it's uh, Hami or one of those other guys. So uh, definitely excited there for the Thunder. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see the ball movement and the, the motion-centric offense. This is very exciting to me, and I'm hoping that they can uh, – keep that balance going and be able to make some real noise. Yeah, I'm excited too. Uh, and two guys that uh, they were on my totem pole of uh, NBA backcourts. I think they were anyways. Uh, CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard. Uh, CJ McCollum is the most wholesome friend that everyone uh, urges. I mean, they, they need. Everyone needs in their life. And I mean, they strive to have. So uh, today, or a couple days ago, I guess, was Damian Lillard's birthday. And uh, first of all, did you see uh, CJ decorating his door? I did not. So uh, if, if you look that up, if you look up, you know, CJ, Damian, birthday, Damian Lillard birthday, whatever, um, you'll see CJ's outside of Damian Lillard's hotel room. And you see, uh, that's not a normal hotel room door. Um, it looks a lot like some sort of suite that you would walk into um, a lot different than the hotel room that we saw J.R. Smith and Rajon Rondo taking videos of, but that is none of my business, I suppose. Uh, so not only did he decorate his door for his birthday, he also, uh, before the bubble orchestrated um, a way for him to have his favorite hot wings, his favorite drink. Uh, and this is actually the quote from McCollum. So we ordered lemon pepper wings, short rib, lemon cake. We made a specialty drink that he likes, and I bought a bunch of wine and some bubbly to celebrate. It wasn't that hard. I'm good at planning stuff, especially last minute. CJ McCollum, wholesome, great guy, um, a friend you strive to have, a, a friend you strive to be. He said, uh, get down. I'm, I'm looking at it now. Get down here. Everybody's waiting for you. It's a huge surprise party, man. This was this is awesome. This is this is this is the content I like to see in the bubble. Yeah, I mean, and this is this is exactly the content I want to see in the bubble. Teammates hyping each other up, teammates giving each other great birthday gifts. And we saw Dame, you know, locked into his room, locked in, you know, recording something on his little recording studio, personal uh mobile recording studio. And then we see Myers Leonard just out here smashing beers over and over and Jordan Clarkson just having shotgun races all day. Like, what the hell? What are we doing here? What are we doing? Hey, man, some people get focused in different ways. You don't have to be the, the person who has headphones in listening to music every day. Some people get focused and get locked in by shotgunning a cold brew on a Tuesday afternoon and uh, just, you know, thinking about the game and kind of just relaxing. Well, I mean, yeah, no doubt about that. But, I mean, aren't you going to be a little a little winded in the next game? Aren't you going to be a little tubby in the next game? Aren't you going to Hey, feel look, 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 look. If you're chugging beers at two, but you went through a whole workout at nine, you're golden. Well, uh, sure, but it's like uh, to an extent. We're two but, weeks away. You know what I mean? They, these guys got time. Th these are professional athletes about a week – 
give me a half a week before game start. Knock out that's, some of the beer. That's when the course is. Sweat it out. Get all yeah. that stuff out of there. Have your fun in the bubble. Then week out, half a week out, get locked back in in a different way. Maybe not so much beer. I'm okay with yeah. shotgun every now and then. Yeah, maybe a beer a day, I would say. But, uh, I mean, for Myers-Leonard, that's what, half a second? 1.4, whatever it was. That dude puts him down. And, you know, maybe he plays better having that beer. Maybe he's a big dude. Maybe he needs it. Yeah, I mean, maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. But one guy that uh, doesn't need any beer, can't add any more pounds, doesn't need to anyways, Zion Williamson. He will also be uh, exiting the bubble. He has exited the bubble, I think, um, to deal with some family issues. Uh, we saw Fultz getting back into team activities today. Um, we saw Harden getting back into uh, team activities today after dealing with family matters. I, I mean, that's pretty much all the bubble talk I have, Josh. What else do you have on the bubble? So, actually, I want to dive in just a little bit on the Zion Williamson story. So, Zion's leaving the bubble to attend to a, an urgent family matter. This is what I'm scared of, Kyler. There's a possibility that uh, whenever he leaves, he can come back and he just has to test. So for him to come back to the bubble, he has to test negative for COVID-19 four days in a row. Mm -hmm. And then he'll be granted access back to the bubble. I'm scared to death that this is going to open a door for players that say, hey, I have to take care of anything and all I have to do is test negative for four days, and I can come right back. Yep. This this is a this is not a door that needs to open. This needs to stay for only uh, family emergencies. And I do uh, want to wish whatever's happening with Zion's family the best. I hope that everything is okay. But this is not a good precedent that we want to set for the bubble. We, if you can stay in the bubble, that's where you need to be. Yeah, and I mean. Obviously, we see uh, players having to leave, players um, entering late. Uh, I don't think we'll see, you know, too many players uh, just because of the uncertainty, how many uh, positive tests are soaring out there in the United States and not necessarily inside the bubble. I think that um, as many players as they can stay inside will. I think um, in the latest batch, there were two positive tests out of 300, 300 tests, something like that. Um, and same thing with uh, Oklahoma football today. We saw that OU football – Tested 98 people, I think, 98 players, and zero tested positive. Yeah, it's a testament to OU and what they're doing over there, keeping everyone safe. And Lincoln Rally's still advocating for spring football. So I think we mentioned last time. Did we mention last time that uh, somebody snitched on Dwight Howard? We did not. We talked about snitches, but we never got into specifics. Yeah, so somebody snitched on Dwight Howard for not wearing a face mask. Um, quote, a quote from Dwight Howard, um, when he wasn't even around anyone, uh, so he was outside by himself, I'm not wearing a face mask, someone reported him. Uh, Rudy Gobert calls this hotline uh, petty. John Morant and Montrezl Harrell say they won't use it. So, I, yeah, the hotline, it's a sticky situation, Josh. Uh, kind of comes down to your moral code um, more than uh, what you want to see in the bubble. Sadly, that is so, but uh, I think that's kind of how it goes. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's this is going to happen with any situation everywhere. Some people are going to utilize it. Chris Paul. Some people are never going to touch it. And, uh, you know, I think it's funny that Rudy Gobert comes out with the stance that he has when, you know, he's just trying to suck up to all the other players who don't want to use it. I'm sure it was a uh, somewhat of a team decision there. Rudy is probably uh, 
uh, saving face. Yeah, uh, well, I saw a picture of Kawhi today, and that's the first picture of Kawhi I saw. Uh, I haven't seen a picture of LeBron yet, I don't think. Um, I, I, that's one thing. I, I think we talked about it last time, you know, how LeBron is being pretty quiet, not really saying a lot. Uh, that's I just want to see the stars. I want to see the big name stars. I would, I lo- you know, as much as I love my, Matisse Thibel's YouTube series, I would also love Matisse Thibel following around LeBron James. Well, I think this goes back to uh, players getting locked in different ways. LeBron is uh, probably trying to stay out of the the media. He's probably trying to stay out of the limelight. Wants to sit back and focus. And I know that he's got a lot of projects that he's working on uh, that's not even basketball related. So I'm sure that man is is crazy busy and does not have a – he's got to think, Kyler, he's not the young 22-year-old in the bubble anymore. He's one of the older guys, well, uh, one of the dads in the bubble. That's not helping my need for content. Well, I'm not going to disagree, but that's why we have to rely on Myers Leonard chugging beers in 1.4 seconds. It was pretty quick. And uh, Rick Carlisle of the Mavs, the head coach of the Mavs, also said that uh, the games will include home uh, virtual fans, home team sounds – digital boards uh and he carlo uh added he was impressed by the setup um and that was reported by brown townsend of the dallas morning news how excited are you for the uh fake noise i'm excited i'm i'm actually very excited you know the more the more real it can be you know i'm for it obviously it's not going to have the same feel and i do uh enjoy the summer league aspect of just these guys being able to hear a whole lot of what, you know, they're saying back and forth. But honestly, you can hear a lot of it already, or you can at least read their lips. And so I actually like it. Let's pump some noise in there. Let's make it loud. Let's uh, let's get the feel of the games back. Yeah, I'm, inter- I'm interested to see what home team sounds are. Maybe it's the, you know, defense, defense, stuff like that. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously that would be uh, – that would be the only part of home court advantage, I would imagine. Uh, since we're playing in a bubble, no, uh, no team. I guess wearing white would also be the advantage. Um, but uh, that's pretty much all I have, Josh. Uh, I mean, we did see that um, uh, the Brewers. I think it was the Brewers. They had uh, they had fake noise in their little sim game that they had. I think it was uh, Christian Yelich walking up to the plate, and he said, "You know, I feel like I'm in. Yeah, I feel like I'm in uh, Bush Stadium. I think is what he said, or maybe in Wrigley." Uh, so I didn't. I'm not a huge fan of the booze. I'm not a huge fan of uh, any of that. I think it's going to take away from what we uh, what we enjoy, what we're asking for, and asking, and wanting to hear the players, wanting to hear the players' conversations, things like that. But uh, I think any innovation, no ideas are a bad idea. So we'll see what they do. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely excited to see that. Uh, do you want to switch gears a little bit and talk some NFL contracts? Let's do it. So uh, I guess all you have to do is hit an opposing quarterback over the head. And you with your helmet, and you'll become the highest-paid defender in NFL history. And I'm talking to you, Miles Garrett, with the Cleveland Browns, getting paid 125 mil, 100 mil in total guarantees, with 50 mil guaranteed at signing. Uh, the deal is worth 125 mil, average 25 salary record for a defensive player. He says they had faith in me, and I've got to give them a reason to have faith. So here's a fun stat, Kyler. Cleveland Browns have signed so many first-round picks over the last six years. I think it was uh, uh, 11. I think I think 11 number or 11 first-round picks in the past like eight years or something is the number. 
this will be the first player that they have signed to a long-term deal out of those first-round picks. So uh, obviously he obviously he deserves it. Miles Garrett is one of the better one of the best defensive players in the league. Uh, coming off of a of a suspension that he did, he did hit Mason Rudolph with his helmet, which is a very big no-no. And yeah. so it is going to be. This is a very interesting story to watch and to see what kind of player Miles Garrett turns out to be, and uh, if he learned anything from that incident, what it translates to on the field. Yeah, I mean, he, he did hit somebody with his helmet, but he did also have, I think, four multiple sack games this past season, um, one of them being a three-sack game. So, uh, I mean, he's a monster, and he, I think he earned every bit of it. I mean, I think it was a $21 million signing bonus, and I think, I mean, he earned every bit of that, and I think he's going to earn every bit of the $100 million that's guaranteed. And I think he's actually going to earn the uh, other $25 million that's not guaranteed. I think he's going to play out this entire contract. Because he's, I mean, he's a difference maker on the, on the edge, on that defensive side of the ball. And the Cowboys, I mean, the, the Browns really, uh, this was their main priority in this offseason was locking up uh, Miles Garrett, and they did it. So um, kudos to them. And the Titans also locked up their guy, didn't they? So they, in one offseason, they got to, so switching to the Titans, they got to keep their quarterback and running back signed to long-term deals in the same offseason. This is big for Tennessee. A lot of people didn't think that a deal was going to happen for Derrick Henry. Uh, this deal worth $50 million, uh, 12.5 mil a year, uh, makes him the fifth highest paid running back. Yeah, so it's, uh, it says here a four-year, $50 million deal, $25 million of it's guaranteed. So that tells me right off the jump it's a two-year two deal. Um, after those first two years, I would expect Derrick Henry to be gone from this team. Um, you know, obviously that – the second $25 million is not guaranteed, so expect him to be cut from the, uh, from the salary cap after that. I, I mean, I, I like it, Josh. I mean, uh, one thing that's inter interesting to me is that this Miles Garrett number is actually pretty similar to what uh, Ezekiel Elliott – I mean, uh, um, I'm sorry, not Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Dak Prescott was being offered um, for pretty much the past, what, nine months? Yeah, so Dak found himself in a very uh, peculiar situation. Did you see the report that they said uh, they were close to a deal, but time ran out on them? I think that this was uh, – I think that report was just a little bit of the Cowboys putting some favorable media out for themselves. Yeah, I, I would have no reason to believe that they were uh, anywhere close to a deal. Uh, from everything that I've read, they were right around that, you know, $140 million – 112, 115 of it's guaranteed. And that just wasn't enough for Dak. And I guess I can say I can't blame him because other quarterbacks are getting that amount of money. And, you know, bet on yourself. You know, sure, go play for $30 million a year instead. Well, I mean, it, the, the crazy thing is he's he could play on the franchise tag this season for 31.4 mil. And next season for 31.4 mil. So, I mean, it's not like you're losing out by much because really all you're going to be getting is an extra $4 million. No, he doesn't like it's, it. Honestly, it's a win-win for Dak. He's going to get fully paid this $30 million this year. And I think after this year, he plays well. I think he's, he's not going to have maybe, – maybe it's a career year. But, I mean, obviously, topping that first year is going to be difficult. But um, I think that we really see Dak come out here and, and earn the extension that he's going to get paid after this season. I think after this season – Jerry Jones finally breaks down, gives him that long-term deal, and I think it's going to be a record-breaking deal. 
Yeah, and you know, it just made a lot of sense for the Cowboys to wait on this because of the salary cap hit, because everything that's going on, the situation will become a lot clearer going into next year and next season. So I think it's smart for Dak to play on this franchise tag, make it 31.4 mil, continue to work with, with Jerry. You know that a deal is going to get done. He wants to pay his players. It'll get done. It's just in time. Yep, I think so too. Uh, Josh, that's pretty much all I've got, man. I don't know how much more you've got on this episode. Um, I think we should close things out with a quick degenerates then. After the first round of the PGA tournament, uh, let's pick one guy. Who do you got? Well, Kyler, I'm going to go with, uh, with Patrick Cantley. Not a bad pick. He, he started out really well today. He was playing some good golf. He ended up two under, uh, which, you know, is not great, but uh, he's going to find himself in a, in a chance to compete. I think the wind's going to die down a little bit tomorrow or today and give him a real shot to compete in this tournament. Yeah, I think the wind will die down. The greens are going to pick up, though. Uh, I think we saw Tiger today say uh, he didn't – he just wasn't hitting this putts hard enough today. Uh, he thought the greens were going to be a little bit quicker. Um, and I think they will. I think they're going to uh, dry out and they're going to become lightning quick. I think they're going to become almost unputtable. Uh, I imagine we're going to see a lot of people de-green this Saturday – this weekend, this Saturday and this Sunday. Um, that's why I'm going to stick with my main man, the big cat, Tiger Woods. Uh, not, not sure how you ever – Bet against him, pick against him. Um, if he's in the field, I'm picking him. He is the big cat. And uh, he, he doesn't come out to a tournament not expecting to win. And uh, I think he's going to prove that this weekend. Well, I, I do hope that you're right. I'm also going to hold out my bet that he doesn't uh, crack the top ten. So uh, I will be very excited to talk to you about this. I know we'll talk over the weekend. I will be very excited to break this down on Sunday. One of us will get to gloat, and uh, we will see who that is. Yeah, also put all your money on Tony Finau. He's going to win this golf tournament. Yeah, Tony Finau will win. He's already six under. Or he's going to get second. Yeah, can't can't lose a bet there. Uh, oh, yeah, Kyle, a great episode. I uh, look forward to uh, talking to you on Sunday. Yep. Have a good weekend. You too, buddy.